Slow, are you hosting or me? Um, I think you're doing it. Am I? Okay. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dropback Podcast. I'm your host this week, Joe Costanzo, gone from my absence last week and replacing Matt once again. And I'm surrounded by some very talented gentlemen, start, starting with Sam Lewis. Hey, Joe. Howdy, mate. And my good friend, Stan Wilson. How's it going, Joe? Wow, am I not your good friend? No. I sort of tolerate you, but you're by no means a friend. Well, so Stan enters us all unauthorised into one flag competition. Suddenly, he's your best mate. Yeah, I mean... Joe just wants to be QB for that team. I have been QB in a flag competition in the past. It didn't go super well. However, I've got utmost confidence that I'll deliver on the day. I'm more of a sort of pressure guy anyway. What's your experience with flag football as a QB then, Sam? Non-existent, apart from COVID training. Well, there you go, I think... Therefore, by default, Joe should be the starting quarterback for the exactly. Oh, I'm absolutely got... down for that. Also, you you find yourself as a bit of a wide out then. I don't have to. He's a bit of a... I'm an absolute freak <laughs> in the outside. Outside? How tall are you again? Tall enough. It's all about the hops, though, isn't it? Right. <laughs> He's got about a forty-inch vert on him. Well, we've got a lot to get into today. We want to get through the offensive and defensive line prospects for the 2021 draft. But first and foremost, more exciting draft news. Sam Darnold has been traded to the Carolina Panthers. The Jets have received a sixth round pick in 2021, a second and a fourth round pick in 2022. What I wanted to ask you guys is who are they taking with that second round pick, uh, second overall pick? now that Sam's definitely gone. I mean, we're pretty clear it must be a QB, right? Yeah, it's probably and I think a the fact that all the reports were that it's Zach Wilson anyway, I would be surprised yeah. if it isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Considering there, there's so much of an upside that you get with Zach Wilson and there are quite a few more red flags with Justin Fields, it just seems like the completely logical pick. I mean, I um, disagree. Yeah. I prefer Justin Fields. To Zach Wilson? Yeah. Are you trying to wind me up? No. Okay, well, let's stick with the Sam Darnold thing. Um, yeah, whoever the next quarterback in that scheme is, I think they're going to find really great success there because you've got Mike LaFleur coming in. He runs that Shanahan-style West Coast offense, QB-friendly, as we've mentioned, countless times in this podcast. I think they're going to succeed, the Jets. They've got a lot of assets to build with moving forward. They've got a growing roster. They've got some developing young talents on that team. Sure, they might not win right away, but for the future, they're, I think they're set to succeed long-term. They definitely failed Sam Darnold, though. Like You may not have been yeah, yeah. hugely high on him as a prospect coming in, but the fact that they never gave him any of either weapons, production, no, protection even, or good coaching, I don't understand how you can yeah. expect any young quarterback to really succeed in that situation. Yeah, the play design was flawed right from the start as well. Like Something you notice early on was... The amount of checkdowns on plays and just like easy outlets for Sam, like as a as a fresh rookie coming into the league, there was hardly any of it. Like even his first play, it, you see that pick six he threw. There was absolutely no outlet for him to go. There was about two options, two reads, and if it wasn't there, he was pretty much screwed. And it, that was quite symptomatic 
of his time in New York, and I bet he's glad to be gone. Like you saw that little party he had on his Instagram today. He's, I, I bet he's happy not. to be gone. Yeah, yeah, he's going into a new I think his family threw him a little party. I hadn't seen the, the party. Yeah, his family threw him a party with them. Pan- yeah, Panthers coloured balloons and stuff. It was more like a family buffet sort of thing, but I'll either way, he's happy to be gone. Yeah, I think Joe Brady as well. We've spoken about their offence in the past, how it's a lot of sort of like short, quick decisions. He should be able to use, because he's not immobile, so he, sh- he should be able to succeed in that offence. I don't know if necessarily he'll be the guy still there in 2022, but he'll get a chance to prove himself. Yeah, I do think they believe in Sam Darnold because they didn't give up like a king's ransom for him, but they did give up a considerable amount of picks, like a second, a fourth, and a six. That's that's quite a lot when you consider the haul that the Arizona Cardinals got for Josh Rosen after just one year, a yeah. couple of years ago. I think there's yeah. more than I thought the Jets would get for him. To be fair, they've yeah, no, done well out so of that. So did I. Yeah, I think like instantly it does look like a big win for the Jets, but you never know. Long term, the Panthers could perhaps make it a draw if you look at trades and a win-loss kind of thing. Well, that's the thing as well. You can never declare a trade a win straight away unless it's the Andre Hopkins one because you don't know what those <laughs> picks are going to be. Hell yeah. I mean, that was so like they, may, they may blow all three of those picks relatively easy. Like a second and a fourth are not ever sure thing prospects. So Yeah, yeah especially look, the, the sick they've got this year as well. Look at the RG3 trade, for example. Like going back what the Rams received for RG3, did they make use of it? Not at all. So no. that's out to be a lose-lose. So do yeah. you guys think he starts for the Panthers? Absolutely. He's 100%. got a much higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater. Exactly. It, it, by all means, like everything we've heard this off-season coming out of the Panthers camp has just been basically about being all in at getting another QB and... Yeah, they may have settled for Sam Darnold, but I think even getting another guy in there kind of proves that they have little to no faith in Teddy mm-hmm. to get the job done. Well, you know I me, mean? you know yeah, I've been high on Bridgewater basically all year. I just don't think you can win with as little arm strength as he's got. It's unfortunate because it's a great story. He has. But he's, he's just not good enough, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I do agree no. with you. I, I did think you were a bit harsh on him at the season, but... As we saw week in, week out, the Panthers just couldn't push the ball down the field because A, Teddy wouldn't, and B, he pretty much couldn't. So He can't, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's pretty fair. And if Sam Darnold doesn't start, it'll be because he's injured. Do we think that's there's no chance they now take a quarterback at eight? Like, if there's a guy there still that falls. I think they're projecting that they're not going to really be able to trade up and... There, there isn't going to be any guys that they like at eight. We, we've we said this a bunch of times, like by the time it gets, we'd be surprised if any of the top five QBs, or I would anyway, actually get to Carolina. Well, I don't know. I think that maybe the fifth guy would be there because well, the, the Falcons apparently are looking to trade down and then you've got Miami, Cincinnati and Detroit in the spots after that. And those are teams who probably won't go after a QB considering... Dolphins have Tua, Bengals have Burrow, and the Lions have just traded for Goff. Like, still, it's a possibility they could upgrade over Goff, but they've literally just traded for him. So potentially, they could get the number five guy there at eight, but they probably just don't like him enough to to spend that number eight pick on. That's what it comes down to, and they'd rather take maybe a lower risk on Sam Darnold, who's essentially a, he he's the same age as some of the rookies anyway. He's twenty three years old. Angel it though, because after this year, he's not really on a rookie contract anymore. Yeah, they've just picked up his um, fifth-year option, so they've still got two years left of control of him. 
So, but yeah, it is more expensive than a rookie contract for sure. Yeah, by by all means, though, I've heard through the grapevine of various NFL Instagram accounts that Atlanta and the Lions are both considering trading out of their current positions. Yeah, I could see that happening for the Lions as well. Like Atlanta, we've already spoken about. But yeah, there are and a lot if of that QB happens, I imagine it's a QB yeah, being yeah. taken at those positions. I'm on with you there. Cool. So let's get straight into the draft, shall we? Um, let's, let's start with a very talented offensive line draft. I mean, it was kind of hard to not include crazy amounts of offensive linemen. It's a very deep draft this year. But let's start with the generational talent that is Penny Sewell coming out of Oregon, playing left tackle there. What do we guys think? Man, this guy's just so exciting to watch on film. Like every time you watch him and like spend like maybe a few weeks of not having seen him, you just got to go back and watch him again, just to remind yourself of how good he is. And it just, it's just, it's incredible what he's able to do for a guy his size. Like mm. I did a scouting report, him. You can go find that on thedropback.com. Very good read. Thank you very much, Joe. But he's the first thing I noticed really is his lateral quickness. Like he's able to get up out of his stance. And move sideways at ridiculous speed, so that that lends itself very well to pulling, and yeah. reach blocking as well, which he's able to do at a phenomenal level as well. Yeah, his his outside zone blocking and reach blocking is basically top tier already. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. He's he's already elite. He's he's one of the best in the NFL already. He's not even in the league when it comes yeah. to reach People blocking. People his size shouldn't be able to move as quickly as he does. Yeah, yeah. not that. Like I, I pretty much put that word for word as well. Like it's just it's exactly it's the only way to put it. I put physics-defying athleticism. Yeah. Oh, well, we're like draft cliches now, Joe. Well, it, it, I mean, what is he? He's six foot four, five, taller, six, yeah, foot six five, five. three hundred and forty-ish pounds. Three forty. He's able to move that fast. Yeah, it, the agility is insane. The the strength is insane. I mean, he's got an incredible... His ability to get to the second level and just absolutely demolish defensive backs and linebackers is in, it's so entertaining to watch. And his technique versus the run as well. Like When he gets to that second level, he's not just going to just flatten people. I mean, he does have some balance issues which can be sorted out, but he's able to wall off guys effectively as well. To, because obviously he's on the outside and often, often there'll be inside zone runs. He's able to flip his hips 90 degrees round square up to the guy against him and just completely just take them out of the play and the same applies when he's reach blocking often these plays are over before the running back is outside of the tackles because of how quickly he's able to just dispose of guys with his heavy punches and he's just he's just so fast that's what it comes down to he's so fast for a guy so big yeah the only real negative i could even really see at him and it's very very nitpicky here is that there are some nuances nuances to his game that he kind of relies too much on his natural athletic skills to do. For instance, he would deliver a big blow to, let's say, a defensive lineman, but then he doesn't stay in contact enough. And in some cases, that lack of the going the extra mile after the initial blow can, you know cause like a defensive lineman to get around you or just sort of like shed off of that initial person and get around you. But I mean, that's being very nitpicky. And also there's an element of, he doesn't need to be as technical as some of these other guys in college, just given that he was an athletic freak. And I imagine as soon as he gets into the league, a lot of that is going to be ironed out. Yeah. yeah and, and that's the thing. He's not 
like I said, is inconsistent rather than bad technically at times. Exactly. And yeah. that stuff can be teach if you've got a guy that is as physically gifted as him because I would rather have someone like that that maybe can coach a bit and get their technique up than someone that's textbook perfect and just isn't going to be able to compete on the physical level in the NFL. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there somewhat. I think what people do overlook because of his just freak athleticism and strength is his ability in the pass game as well. Like too often, his hands get caught outside. He's too like passive, which is almost, yeah. almost weird when you're watching a guy as aggressive in the run as Penny Sewell. He catches rushes too much. They, he lets them close to his body and that's how he loses on reps. Like sure, his massive frame is able to like recoup for that. But I do, I do somewhat think he will be exposed to that like for that at the next level unless he cleans it up because his hands are outside the rushes get too close to him and he the explosiveness we see on run plays just isn't there just also on the running play like aspect of things which i mentioned just a bit earlier his balance is really poor as well he ends up on the floor far too often like sure he finishes the play but against bigger guys with better balance in the nfl that's going to crop up as a potential issue long term as well yeah, it's almost as if some of his strengths in that explosive play style kind of work against him in yeah. some ways and can be can lead to some potential weaknesses. But, I mean, he's by far the best offensive lineman prospect we've seen in a while. And if you're sitting at, let's say, Cincinnati at the fifth overall pick, we know it's going to be very a QB show very early on. In other drafts, I reckon Peneso will be number one overall like, for sure he's not polished enough for that sure he's a great raw athletic talent i do think he's gonna have great success in this league but from it's a bit more of a risk than other players that we're going to mention later what well, another player mm. we're going to mention later because I've got he's to. got these he's got these flaws in, in him I'm, I'm not trying to say he's not an incredible talent it's just the little things like the, the balance and his pass pro is what worries me the most. Yeah, but I think the ceiling on Sewell compared to some of these other offensive linemen prospects oh, yeah. is yeah, just... Yeah, for sure. The ceiling's great. Some of these takes on Sewell is that when you get this guy, it's similar to almost what's happened with Justin Fields, is that you've just got to accept you've got a great prospect here and people are looking for little things to pick at. And I'm not it's not a little thing, his pass pro. His pass pro isn't a little thing to pick at. It's quite a big issue. But his pass pro generally is quite good. It's, it's not... He's not getting beat consistently. He he's not going to get beat in college, is he? He's never going to get beaten in college when you're that big, that strong, that athletic, and that just quick. It's not going to happen. And that's that's the illusion that it gives us the, all this college tape. It's the same reason for edge rushers, why you can't look at for uh, sacks as a valid statistic. Because at the end of the day, outcomes don't matter in college when you're scouting. It's about the skill and the traits that a guy possesses. And it really does worry me, his pass pro. Hmm. But if you're sitting there... Is he your number three guy then? For what, on the O-line? O-line, O-tackle. No, no, uh, O-tackle, no, he's my number two guy because the upside is just undeniable. Mm. Yeah, we know who your number one guy is. Hell yeah. Um, Where do you guys think he goes? I, I think he probably goes to Cincinnati at five or... He doesn't think... go past Carolina. I think he could oh, go no. past Carolina. I um. Really? Yeah. Um, the Bengals, apparently, I've heard rumours that they're taking Chase at five, which I think is a bit crazy if you've got a QB who's coming off an ACL injury. I think it's quite just in, flat out inconsiderate. That's just the Bengals being the Bengals. They're never going to resolve any yeah. of their issues if they actually drop. What's that like mean that? that's been going around on Twitter? Have you seen that? It's a little cartoon, Joey Burrow. Yeah. Uh, an O-lineman saying anyone. 
and then a receiver, Jamar Chase, and it's just Burrow being hit. And then below it's <laughs> um, Burrow, Sewell, or Slater, and then anyone under the receiver, and it's a big completion. Just give the man a bit yeah. of protection. No, I, I think Chase would be a great addition to the offence by, by any means, because obviously we've spoken about him before. Great player, great talent. But at the end of the day, you can't throw a ball to a guy if you're on your ass, can you? No. No, that's ridiculous. I'd so much rather have an elite O-line than an elite receiver core. And yeah. it's not like they've got no one at receiver anyway. They've got T. Higgins and Tyler Board. Who, yeah, who I mean, look at what players. the Patriots have been able to do. Like, they've never had a bad like, O-line, but they've had questionable weapons and they've managed to win, what, like six rings out of it. So if he's not going to Cincinnati, where could you see him going? Carolina. Uh, Carolina, Denver, Dallas, New York, Philadelphia, LA. I think any of those teams could justify taking him. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he falls outside the top ten because of like the QB heavy start to it. I would be quite I don't surprised. Know, I think he's a top five prospect if you yeah. ignore the QBs. If you ignore the QBs, yeah. That's well, as fair. a prospect, even if you're including QBs, as an actual prospect, I think he's a top five. Yeah. It comes down to positional value, though, and at the end of the day, the top four or five picks are going to be quarterbacks, which is then going to have a knock-on effect. Like in past drafts, if you told me Panacea is going to be a lock for the top ten, I'd say, yeah, sure, 100%. But because of the QB class this year, with top five guys going, likely in the top ten, it does make things a bit more uncertain. I don't know. You think there's five non-QBs that are better than him? I'm not saying better. I'm saying more, like, you've got to look at needs. Obviously, you've got Kyle Pitts... Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, maybe Micah Parsons if I, someone wants to take a reach on him. I don't see a world where Cole Pitts gets taken before Penny Sewell. No, I could see that happening. That's the one that he said that I could see. Him and Jamal, Chase. Him and Chase yeah, would be the only ones that I'd be like, yeah, I kind of see why you've done it if you've got a shored up O-line. Caleb Farley as well? No. Really? Yeah. Is this because you're putting, sorry, Joe to Kane? Is this because you're putting your boy Rashawn Slater up there as well? Yeah, I, I did. I really, really rate Rashawn Slater. I'm not. I think teams can. They, you can't really go wrong either way. It's just Rashawn Slater is far, far safer, and you know what you're getting exactly, and you know he's going to be like. I, I know I band around the elite, the word elite a lot when talking about like Sewell Slater and that, but Rashawn Slater, flat out elite. Yeah, I, let's talk about Rashawn Slater then. Yeah, let's go for it. Of Northwestern. Um, my highlight for, for watching his tape was just the fact that, and everyone's going to say this, but he completely erased Chase Young when they played Ohio State. That was so fun. I didn't when I watched that game. I didn't realize that he completely shut out Chase Young. Like I, I must have heard it like the well, year before. But yeah, Northwestern didn't win the game by any by any means. They're playing <laughs> no, Ohio State, but exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of things with Rashawn Slater, and I'm sure Stan will get into this, but his his timing just seems excellent. He knows when to engage versus when to sort of bait the defender in and um, lead to a lot of traps. He's got very precise and quick hands. Yeah, that's the big thing, his hands. He's oh, he's like a, he's like a boxer with his hands because they're heavy but precise at the same time. Yeah. Everything about his game is just so polished and like almost perfect. It's, it's like teaching tape for an O-lineman. And what, what sort of gives the hands an extra thing, considering he's got like quite naturally short arms for, for an O-lineman, especially at the tackle position, but his leverage is just insane. And you yeah. saw it against Chase Young um, and against pretty much everyone he's played. 
is that he has this amazing sort of base and to get underneath the defender and eliminate that perceived weakness of having a, a shorter arm length yeah. than traditional. Yeah, I think he's similar to Tevin Jenkins in the fact they've both got short arms, but as soon as they get their hands on you, the play is over. There's, there's yeah. just no point. You might as well just go, well, I'm just going to give up now and wait till the next rep because you aren't beating Rashawn Slater if he's got his hands on you. Yeah. And just his technique. Yeah, I mean, it's flawless. Yeah, that's that's the one thing. It's very polished considering he's a, he's a prospect coming into next level. That's the kind of... I, I have no doubt that Rashawn Slater just like will plug and play into a team. Yeah. Whoever drafts him is just going to get probably a, a starting tackle bar any injury for the next like 10 years. That's the thing though. He could play guard as well. Like, I think he'll end up there. I, okay. mm, I, Maybe. I, I think he might be a bit wasted at guard because of his ta- talent so. at tackle, but I think Seal could play guard as well. They both played guard yeah. in the past. Like Seal came into Oregon as a guard, as a recruit. He was moved to tackle because of the talent they already had in the interior. Both the top two guys, oh, maybe even the top three guys, could play guard, and that's like that's versatility. That you I would find it a bit of a shame if he if he played guard yeah, because no, he's such a good tackle. Yeah, I agree with you there. Like his technique, in t- when in terms of um, sorry tackles in the NFL, you'd think there would be more skilled tackles considering like the skill level that you have at other positions. But in reality, it's quite dire and it's quite poor and it's quite hard to find a guy. You can reliably stick there and think, hang on, we're safe here. He's there. We're not going to get pressured as many times as you would with other guys there. I mean, anyone who hasn't seen it, just go and watch the tape against Ohio State. That push-pull technique when Chase Arm is trying, uh, Chase Young is trying to basically long-arm him, uh, sort of pushing on the other, ha- eliminating it completely. It's, it's, That's what it's That sort of tape it should alleviate all the worries about his arm length. So I think yeah. that's that. Not that he'll never get beaten, because that's never going to happen. But the fact is that his one weakness he can overcome, which is his initial reach, and he's proved that it's not binding against him. Yeah, and it's not like this is just your college pass rusher, like he's benefiting off weak O lines and stuff like that. This is Chase Young. This is already an incredible NFL talent, and he's already shown that he can lock him up completely. And this isn't like an, a really young Chase Young. This is like. A year ago, Chase yeah, Young. This is defensive this is, rookie of the re- year, Chase Young. There you go, exactly. It's the same guy, and he's completely shut him down. So that truly, even you could probably just watch that one game, and that tells you enough. All you need to know about Rashawn Slater as a player. Like, obviously, do your research, watch multiple games, but that should really just tell you enough. Yeah, agreed. Um, so do you actually have him above Sewell? Yeah, far more, far more um, like nuanced, better technique. Yeah, ever since I watched Rashawn Slater, I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's the guy." Even at the second level, which is something that's um, sealed as he well. He's good at the second level as well. His ability yeah. to wall off guys as well, his control of his body, like he's hit, he got really loose hips as well. Great hand placement there as well. Second level, he can do it great at the line of scrimmage. He can do it great, and yeah, that's also what would make him a great guard is because of his ability at the second level. It, He's a guy who can he can play two positions incredibly well. This is the thing. I mean, like, he tries to play both left tackle and left guard, but it's just me. Yeah, you can't just stick it at both on the same team. He's got with a four-man O-line. That might be a bit problematic. I think as a as an O-lineman, he's ahead of Penay Sewell. But as I a prospect, you could call yourself an O-lineman. Penay Sewell is above Rashawn Slater just for that 
upside ceiling in terms, value in terms of ceiling. based on pure athleticism that we just haven't seen out of an offensive lineman in a yeah. goddamn while. Yeah, but the same reason you could say that Jamie Newman's ceiling's higher than Tom Brady because he's got like elite athleticism. It's doesn't not mean he's gonna reach it. No, but it, it really it's not is. The same. I, I... It's not the same. You, you, can't. you can't you're comparing it to someone who's like just athletic but doesn't really have any discernible uh, traits. It's my... not as if Panay Sewell's coming in here with no like technique at all. He's already a very proven offensive lineman. And I love Rashawn Slater as well. Like I said, I think whoever drafts him is going to have a starting left tackle until, or guard, I personally think left tackle, but whatever, mm-hmm. until his contract ends. Or, you know, basically he's going to be starting for the next 10 years. It's it's a sign, sign off. I think he's the yeah. most pro-ready yeah. offensive lineman in the draft for sure. Yeah, I, I'm agree with you there. And even when it comes to next year, you're not going to see Rashawn Slater on these highlight reels at all, the same way you're going to see Panacea because he does it so well. He just he bores you to death with it almost. If you're not like a fan of watching like nuanced O line play, he bores you to death with how just consistent and good he is. You're going to get big, explosive, bam, pancake blocks from Panacea more than Rashawn Slater, but Rashawn Slater is a better offensive lineman. Where do you think he goes, Stan? Idea, if I'm a GM of any of all these teams and I had to choose where, I, where he would go, I'd take him at Cincinnati at five. I think Miami at six could use him as well. Detroit, I think, well, the same spots Sewell could go to essentially, but I just have. Whichever one you have ranked higher, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Or, which, or if you don't need him to start straight away, or just. It's personal preference. Again, you can't go wrong with either of them. However,. That's just my preference. Who have Atlanta got a left tackle? Is there anyone good? Oh, God. Um, no. I don't think so. I think Atlanta struggled O-line. I mean, that sh- could potentially be a landing spot for well, either Matthews, one of them. isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Oh. He's all right. He's good. Start to level player. Like Jake Matthews isn't elite, but he's fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they could go guard. Well, apparently you can draft either of those guys. There you go, guys. yeah. I mean, my my opinion of Panacea playing guard isn't like massively popular, but I, I've heard a few guys with a, with a similar opinion, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And let's move on to another tackle, this time for sure, just a tackle. Uh, Christian Darasaur out of Virginia Tech. What, what do you guys... How are you guys feeling about this? I mean, he's another first rounder for sure for me. I'm not a massive fan of Darisol. I don't like the way he plays. He seems lazy, quite sluggish. He's a big guy, big guy, long arms, prototypical alignment. Probably end up going in the first round. Stick him at right tackle. He'll probably be safe most of the time. He'll just be an average guy. But he just seems quite lazy in terms of the way he plays to me. I get what you mean with the lazy thing. For me, it's it's kind of weird watching the tape. It's like he doesn't play high motor at all. It looks like he's just sort of nonchalantly doing it. But yeah. he's still completely fucking up, guys, on a regular basis. And he doesn't even look like he's trying. In terms of like people not being a high motor player, on the any tackle position you play, I think as soon as you get to the NFL, you're going to yeah. be a, more of a high motor player. It might be hard to do it when you're that athletic, that powerful in your hips. I don't think he's that athletic. I don't think he's, he's pretty athletic. I he, think he's quite he gets, slow. Um, 
against Boston College, he got to the second level and he blocked three guys in one play for a touchdown. I'd... I mean, that's just one example, but he gets to the second level quite often. And you've got to be really careful though with college film about dominating guys without even trying because that suggests he's against really bad competition which he is he's at the college level yeah no most of these guys aren't going pro and they won't ever get close to going near pro especially teams like boston college like virginia at the tech second level and you when you're moving to that route you've still got to have the athleticism to hit second level defenders in space yeah, yeah no I'm... what what that showed me is that he's not like yeah, he's not super high motor in these plays that I'm watching, but he's definitely athletic enough that if he was high motor, he could be a real problem. Yeah, no, I do, I do agree with you. In terms of athleticism, yeah, sure, straight line speed to the second level, I will admit he's good at that. What I was maybe referring to, I should have mentioned it, is his um his kick step, like when he's um like his side step backwards off the line seems mm. quite slow. Like you look at a guy, the guy that we can talk about after this, Tevin Jenkins, similar in the fact they're both really big guys but and very strong. But Tevin Jenkins does it so much quicker, so much more fluid than Darisaw, and that allows him to battle speed rushes far more effectively. And I think is going to have big problems with that at the second level, unless he manages to sort out his technique. But I think at the current level he's playing at, he's your sort of your average right tackle. He's nothing special, he's not bad, and he can never properly, properly be bad because of his frame and his length. Yeah, I don't know. I think he showed... Sometimes his technique is weird. I mean, there was one play in particular where I saw him get completely lifted off his feet and then he sort of regained his balance. I was going to say, do you think he... is, is a worry that he's not, like, doesn't have great, like, dominant strength? Mm. Almost. Like, he's got just power. Saying, he, gets, he gets moved around, though. He seems complacent. That's the big word that, I, that came to my head. Complacent. Just... He doesn't try enough, and he can get away with it because he's playing at Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think I think he gets caught out of position a few times and all gets shoved off, but then he'll kind of recover and those like powerful hips and sort. Of, I mean, he's got good balance from what I could see, like when he's getting moved around. But and he's also got good leverage as well. If you're getting moved around. Yeah, yeah the thing is, at the next level, that's going to be an issue. If you're it? getting moved around versus Boston College, you got issues. No, that he's doing the moving. Yeah, yeah, rumbling, bumbling. Um, do you guys think he's a first round pick? Yeah, I think yeah. he will be a first round pick. I don't. I'm not sure if I think he should be or not. I think late, late in the first round, maybe the. I like him going to the Colts. Mm. Colts. Who don't have a left him? tackle? Then they have Costanzo. Did he? Re- Oh, he retired. I don't think I wouldn't trust Darius Shogard in my blind side. I'd rather stick him at right tackle. I mean, he played left tackle in college, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, let's move on to an actual right tackle. One you previously mentioned, Tevin Jenkins at Oklahoma State University. Um, I mean, he's finishes every play <laughs> like crazily he's aggressively. Yeah, he's he's a mean dude. What do you guys think? He's just such a solid fellow, isn't he? Oh, like we talked about the other guys having athleticism, and he doesn't have that, but he's so just like compact. Like Dan, I know you mentioned his um, quick step. I meant more getting out and leading on runs and stuff like that. Yeah, fair play. That's fair. That, but that as a pass setter or the initial run block, he'll be absolutely fine in the league. Yeah, 
I, I really, really like this guy. In terms, yeah, for a big guy, you don't expect them to be as competent in his kick stuff. And when I turned on the tape, I was surprised that I thought he was just going to be this big lump, sort of similar to Darasaur, who just gets the job done. But he's so much more than that. He's got great footwork to go with it. Yeah, and like concerns have been raised about his short arms, similar to um, similar to Rashawn Slater, but the only time it's really been an issue was against Ronnie Perkins, and that was when he completely just long armed him to death, and that's something he does need to look at. But at the end of the day, he gets the job done with his hands because he's able to completely just manipulate guys and completely just clamp them down. Like there was a great Brett Coleman video on him I'd really recommend you go check that out it's his um, underrated draft talents video the second in the series go check that out and he basically just states how once he's got his hands on you he can clamp you and the play is just completely over similar to Slater and I know it sounds like really stupid and a bit he doesn't know what he's talking about but it really is as simple as that yeah he, he traps you when you're yeah. trying to do that sort of it's the same thing with Slater like you said like the the whole trap against like the long arm technique, generally speaking, apart from Ronnie Perkins, like you said, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but his timing, the snap in terms yeah. of that kick step is, is insane. He never gets really beaten by speed rushes or just people jumping the gun before him. He's always the first one to move, which is quite impressive. And yeah, his pass pro really impressive, but the big thing that stands out for Jenkins is his, his, his run blocking. Like, let's be real yeah. here. Like just he's fun to watch as well. He's so, another one. Yeah, he's so aggressive and angry when he plays. It's just it's it's really just it's really entertaining to, to watch. Like we talk about defensive ends having ball rush moves. Tevin Jenkins has a ball rush move that he uses when he run blocks. And to go yeah. check it out. Just just watch him. He smothers you, and all of a sudden you're on the sideline and you're out the play. Yeah, I mean. It's a matter of fact, and his technique as well is yeah. he uses his technique is basically he doesn't he, he's not relying on this sort of strength and aggression. His technique is the basis and the foundation to it to then sort of extend it out and completely finish plays with the aggression that we talked about is very impressive. I mean, I've got him higher up than uh, Barrasol, Darasol, Darasol, uh, personally. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I think he's probably the third best O lineman in the draft. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll, um, I'm with you there. But on the same end, I also think he's probably more pro ready than Penny Suel, generally speaking. It depends what you want an O lineman to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's an interesting point about him being more pro ready, actually. I don't know. I hadn't really considered that. In terms of technique, from what I could see, I wouldn't draft like him the on the nuances. Left side, though. No, um, he's not on the left side. He's on the right thing, you're not drafting Penesil to be on the right side, so I don't think it's really fair to compare them the same way. Yeah, I guess. I think True, the, but... the, the flaw with Jenkins, I notice, and again, like I want to go back to this Ronnie Perkins play, which was all over Twitter briefly, like when Tevin Jenkins first emerged as a prospect. Admittedly, it was like a few, like I think it was February or January, maybe when he first sort of people started talking about him. But I think his anchor needs to be a bit better. Like he needs to be able to re-establish himself once he's lost on a rep, so that he can re-establish himself and get back into the play. Because what Ronnie Perkins essentially did is he's got a great first step, which means he's able to get off the line really quickly and up in Jenkins' face, which is something he previously wouldn't have experienced, being a guy who gets off the line really quickly himself. And he lands an arm on him, which causes Jenkins to completely lose his leverage, lose his balance, and then he's sort of just stumbling backwards and 
he loses the rep completely. Now, to better that and to do better on pre on future reps, his hips need to stay a bit lower, his knees need to bend so that he's able to have a better center of gravity. And also his back foot, he needs to be able to just plant it and make, push him backwards because as soon as the Ed Rusher goes further, goes deeper than the quarterback, then you've won the rep because there's no point you being there if the QB's not there. Yeah. Shall we move on to another... Well, versatile. He could be a guard, could be a tackle. He's from USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. I think he's a guard that can, like, he'll play tackle if the starting tackle goes down kind of thing. Yeah. His, yeah. his primary position is... God. Did he, play, he played tackle this he, year, though, didn't he? He played yeah. He played tackle this year because Austin Jackson left last year. So, they were like, hey, slide out to tackle. And then he favorite. won, like... Yeah, and then he got a Pac-12 award for it, which is just really impressive considering he was, like, first team all pro or sorry all pack 12 as a guard the year before yeah yeah hugely had to say his stock that because you're going to be a lot easier finding someone that can play in multiple positions along the line especially towards the end of the first rounds uh yeah. really good athleticism i mean i i don't really have a whole lot of negative stuff to say about him the reason you he won't probably won't go above some of those other guys is that tackle is so much more valuable yeah but yeah, as talent, value. definitely a first round guy no, I'm with you there. He's a really, really good guard. Like his agility as well, like lends itself to these zone schemes as well. Being able to get up in guys' faces, progress up to the second level, it speaks for itself. His play really does. Yeah, and he did at OS uh, US USC as well. So the level of competition is particularly high when we're comparing a lot Pac- of these other. So what? Know. What have Pac- we got there? I don't know. Pac-12 edge rushers, like outside of um, Washington, they aren't particularly like renowned for. Yeah. Joe's still in 2004. <laughs> Reggie Bush is going to win the Heisman. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I could see, I think he's got, particularly against the ball rush, he's got a very good um, stance. And I guess that, well, they call it like the anchor. Yeah. For, I think he was playing tackle at the time. And like we said, like versatility in the NFL, especially at the O-line position is going to do bits for your for your stock as well exactly yeah being able to play two positions like instantly yeah instantly raises your value because you can you can automatically do one thing more than the guy who they would be debating taking instead of you and that's just yeah can only be a good thing for him yeah the only thing i would possibly say is that he's not athletic enough as some of these other guys Uh, i wouldn't say like on the same level as obviously Penesuel's on another league, but I didn't think he looked as athletic as like a Tevin Jenkins or Rashawn Slater. I disagree. I, I think disagree. he's yeah. I think he's more athletic than Tevin Jenkins is, like as a pure raw athlete. Like not not to st- not to stereotype here, but what USC does quite a lot is they recruit a lot of these like Pacific Island players and they're they're renowned for being quick, strong, and that is exactly what Elijah Vera Tucker is as well. Like you see a lot of the guy they got like Marlon Tupelotu, Jay Tafile as well on that team. Like they recruit a lot of these like um Pacific Island players because they're talented players. Like generally you can watch their rugby teams as well. They play the same way. They're quick, fast, strong, big guys, and it lends really well to yeah, rugby and American football. Did USC have a full season last year? Yeah, they Pac-12 played a full season, I'm pretty okay, sure. Cool. Well, yeah, in that case, he said... It's a full in-conference season. 
Yeah, no, it, it might have been slightly slightly shortened because of COVID. I think because all of them were they cancel like all the out conference like preseason games against Middle Tennessee State and all the nobodies. Yeah. But they, yeah, they, I think they played as much a season as anyone else. So yeah, he's had like two years as a starter, but in that he's played very well and he got what was it USC lineman of the year. Yeah, he got all he, he got um all Pac twelve um first team as a guard and then I think he was second team this year as a tackle. Or the other way around, can't remember which, but either way, all Pac twelve honors both years as a starter, so sign him up. Sign the man. Yes, sir. And let's give the centers some love real quick. Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah, he's yes. just basically a perfect ready-made replacement for Green Bay, provided he reaches there. They yeah. let Corey Lindsley go. They now need a center. I mean, they you probably will. Rogers happy, which it doesn't actually seem that they do. So maybe they won't. Maybe they'll go for another quarterback. But <laughs> yeah, get the three QB system in place. He's Jamie athletic. He can pull off. He can pull on blocks. He'll be great for that zone rushing scheme. Is he's in charge of pass pro at Oklahoma? To be fair, with Rogers there, he won't need to do that at Green Bay. Yeah, exactly. It, he will when they kick him out for Jordan Love because I'm not imagining that Jordan Love has. I don't know, the best skills at pass pro at the moment. Who knows, maybe two years under Aaron Rodgers, who seems to love him being there. <laughs> Is that yeah. a little slight against A-Rod? Yeah, I still don't understand why they did it. It's been a whole year and it makes even less sense now than it did a year ago. Yeah, especially because they made the NFC Championship game. Yeah, so, yeah they, could, they could have perhaps won the Super Bowl. You won the bloody MVP. Pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit crazy. Like if it was Diddo Round and someone drafted a replacement for like Patrick Mahomes, like I know Aaron Rodgers is a bit older, everyone would be scratching their head. But that's the sort of calibre season that Rodgers had, so it don't make any sense. Does not indeed. Fair enough. Shall we move over to the D-line, gentlemen? Let's do it. Let's go. I love Let's D-line. Love a good edge rusher. So do I. It's and a I bit of an underrated... <laughs> bit of an underrated D-line and edge draft, really. I think... Well, there's not. It hasn't been highlighted by the guy like we've said in previous drafts of the your Chase Youngs, your Miles Garretts, Jadavian Clowney to some extent. Um, but we do have some very solid guys. So let's start off with Quitty Pay out of Michigan. Played the end there. What do you guys think? Any opinions? As a Michigan fan, he's been completely solid. Like. I didn't. He didn't particularly jump off tape as being like a wow. He's an incredible pass rusher, but he's just incredibly solid. And he was victim to double teams and stuff as you would at the college level, especially in Mich- at Michigan where we play like a lot of three down front. So obviously that gives you a lot more room for double teams, especially on the ends yeah. who are quite prolific pass rushers like Quitty Pay. But when all said and done, he's a big, athletic, twitchy edge rusher. He can use his hands very well. He's very disciplined versus the run. He can get free of blocks very well. He uses his hands very well. He, On paper, he's your perfect like edge rusher guy. He needs to develop some, his moves better and his usage of them. But he's still like the number two guy in this class because he adds the upside versus the run. And he has potential to become a great pass rusher as well and disruptive in the pass game because of his strength. You mentioned you're a Michigan guy, so you've probably seen a lot more of him than we have. Yeah. 
is he does he have the pen, potential to be like a team's number one pass rusher or is he going to be a solid high end number two guy? I don't know, and I really don't know. It's a really it's a really weird defense that Michigan have run the past few years because even on goal line situations, we'd be in like nickel packages and stuff because of the way we run it. It's really bizarre. There'd be a lot of three down linemen and then you'd have like a couple of guys standing up. It's it's really bizarre. And it's that, that makes it really hard to evaluate edge rushers because they're used as anchors, three techs primarily. There aren't actually many. Yeah. Like the last great edge rusher we really had was Chase Winovich and he wasn't even particularly productive there either. Like Rashawn Gary as well could have played a lot better, but he was victim to just tons of double teams as well because of the three down fronts. I think as a run stopper, like you said, he's got a very high floor. I don't think he's really going to struggle transitioning into run defense in the league. I mean, from what I could see, from what I watched, his reading of option plays or misdirections yeah. is, is very good. Uh, I mean, Penn State is a good example to go back and look at that. I mean, he, he does this thing where, you know, when you're not, if as a D lineman, if you're, if no one's blocking you, then you know, you I'm shouldn't glad, know that there's a, there's I'm a blindside block coming in the way. And he, he always squeezes in, you know, takes on the blindside block, doesn't just be uh, undisciplined and sort of go straight for the QB or uh, for the ball carrier right away. Cause that's what, gets you screwed over in those situations yeah i think sorry go ahead no i was just gonna i'm really glad you mentioned i was about to say the exact same thing about his discipline there yeah when when you're unblocked you're the read man in those read option situations so if the quarterback reads you squeezing in and diving for the uh for the quarterback he's gonna he's gonna hand it off to the running back sorry sorry he's gonna keep him himself and take him your way but if you stay if you stay square he's gonna like hand it off inside and he's really, really disciplined in the way he squeezes down. So, which mean that means he, he uses his lateral quickness to squeeze down. So he's closer yeah. to the the action to the line of scrimmage and to the where the play's going on. And he's able to make a decision there. And because of his speed, because of his agility and athleticism, he's able to make a real difference there, whatever the outcome. Yeah. And he's, he's in the he's in the correct position before the play's even properly begun. That makes a difference. And he always knows where the ball carrier is on. Yeah play actions on misdirections and everything like that and like you said he has excellent quickness and change of direction the one obviously concern i have is just it's like when he's pass rushing he doesn't really have a backup plan plus pass one uh, like he's got for instance i'm going to go for a say a long arm and you know uh, you're completely sealed off he doesn't have an idea of like what to do next like he doesn't sort of go into a play with, with sort of much three. production at the moment as a pass rusher. It just just as a pass rusher, I would say. Yeah, from what yeah. I could see, it's like he gets stuck doing like his initial plan and doesn't really know or understand as much as he does with the running game. What other scenarios he can sort of stem from to to beat his man and. That's the only real concern I have for him. As a run defender, he's already there. He's got the floor. I think he's already shown just from how good he is and in the run game that he's very coachable because you don't just sort of learn those things, like I said, with the squeezing in 
um, when you're unblocked and everything like that. So if you can translate that to the past, his pass rushing game and, you know, building up that skill set and awareness of what to do and when, then I think he could definitely be a top tier edge yeah. defender. I mean, it's no, funny no, you mentioned Rashawn Gary, actually, because that sort of was what's happened with him. That it's taken him a couple of years to sort of hone his potential and he's sort of breaking out now a little bit in Green Bay. Yeah, I do think he was used incorrectly at Michigan, as with Quitty Pay, actually, in terms of the scheme. Like, I, I'm quite outspoken in the fact I wasn't a massive fan of Don Brown's scheme. He's just been fired. Rashawn Gary, he was triple-teamed and triple-teamed and triple-teamed because he was a five-star recruit. He was one of the highest-ranked um, edge prospects ever in the history of 24-7 sport. And teams were aware that they just triple teamed the living daylights out of him. The way he was used as well, he was used as the anchor in the defense. He was literally like yeah. three tech. So he was inside the tackles and that gave him less room to work. He was still able to be disruptive, but only to a certain degree because of the amount of double teams and triple teams he was receiving. And that's why I don't value college production when it comes to Ed Rushes, especially. That's fair enough. Shall we move on to Jalen Phillips? Yeah, you mean that, I, I mean just... I for the fact that he'd already retired once that he, we'd probably be speaking about him a lot more. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. Like he might be the quote unquote guy by within the media if he'd played like multiple seasons at a high level, like the, to the level that he played this season. Mm. And he's going under radar under the radar among the media because of that. I don't think he'll go under the radar by NFL teams, but maybe the media are a bit low on him. I mean, it's hyping up a little bit now we get closer to the draft, as you'd expect. I don't know, it just worries me. If you retire once for, con- for concussion issues. Yeah. You can't. Uh, I, I don't know. Can. I think that's a legitimate concern. I don't know I any don't, concerns with bit... him as a prospect on the field. My worry is yeah. longevity. And if you're picking a guy in the first round, you want him to stick around. Yeah, no, that 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 will hurt his stock. Actually, to be fair, that that's a red flag, and that will be considered because first round picks, like some teams with a high first round pick, that does not happen often. So obviously the stakes are high. You don't want to mess up by taking a guy who's retired. Yeah, but you can't you can't base it on that really. You like you can just base to. it on what you. You can. I don't know if you you it's have so to. Risky. If, if it's the guy so is risky. That talented, I think you you take a punt at him for as long as you can get him that you can't predict the future if he's gonna you know have a bunch of concussions or or whatever i mean multiple concussions it's not are dangerous predicting, it's really yeah it's dangerous. not predicting the future though because it's something that has already happened he has already retired uh, if you want to talk about him as a prospect absolutely he's the best edge rusher in this draft i'd say he's better um above thank you quitty pay correct you're, yeah, hundred percent. If we're talking about that, yeah, absolutely. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass, and he's more versatile against the pass than Pay was. But yeah, I don't know. I think if I was drafting, especially in the top half of the draft, I don't think I could tell my general manager. Yeah, pull the trigger on that. We're sure. Yeah, no, and that I'm might really... be harsh, but I just wouldn't want to risk that pick. Yeah, because all it takes is one serious concussion. Like he, it could be very very detrimental for him he might have a proper scare and he might just pull the plug on his football career again you look you know what life there's more to life than just football and so I, I understand that worry but at the same side of it i kind of want to get into the him as a prospect rather yeah. than just injury concerns because to be honest it's kind of unfair just to talk about previous injuries and 
I know he might have retired previously or whatever, but at the end of the day, he's declared for the NFL draft. He's going to play for whoever selects him. Yeah. I think just as as an edge defender, he can win. It's kind of his strengths and weaknesses are kind of like opposite of Quitty Payne in some aspects in that as a pass rusher, it's the opposite of what I was saying with Quitty Pay. He, he plans a sort of attack in multiple ways. He has different avenues where if something isn't working, he can you know, use a different technique. Um, and I think that's really exciting to see. He's got a level of technique that we haven't seen. Well, I say we haven't seen. We always have a guy every year, usually. But he isn't being hyped up at this guy for maybe, like we said, the injury concerns or whatever. But I think technique-wise, he's one of the the best. I mean, he's the best edge prospect in this draft. He's got a great motor. He can change direction quickly. And I mean, if you just watch that Virginia Tech game, he completely fucking dominated. It yeah. wasn't even close. He's just got chances th- as an athlete as well. Yeah. you got yeah. to think as well, this is rusty Jalen Phillips. This is, I've had a year off football. This is my first year back playing D1 football, Jalen Phillips. In a COVID year he- on a new team. Exactly. Think what he's going to be like next year when he's back in his groove fully. He's established himself better. He's got a, probably a wider arsenal of pass rush moves as well. I'm I'm really excited for what Jalen yeah. Phillips is going to bring at the next level, like injury permitting. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I would say the only negative from a prospect side is that he's not bad, but he's sometimes inconsistent in his run defending. Yeah. Um, for instance, against Virginia Tech, he was very good doing that sort of squeeze technique like we talked about Quitty Pay. But then against, if you watch like North Carolina, he just gets a bit impatient, sort of goes upfield, doesn't see the blindside block coming. And, and that led to a, a, a few big runs. So that's something I think that can be coached out of him. Like, yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I still think he's the top edge defender in this draft. Injuries or no injuries, to be honest. Fair enough. Like another thing to consider is the amount of eye candy they throw at you in the NFL in terms of just luring you away. And especially as edge defenders, you're often targeted as the read guy. You're left unblocked, and the play is going to happen based on your moves. So in that, you've got to almost be two places at once, and it's something that no other position is really asked to do. Yet somehow you have to do it. Yeah. So it's a it's a really tough ask but it is generally the requirement of the NFL, so he will have to improve his eye discipline for sure. I think it's almost not you have to do two things at once. It's that offences want to tempt you into doing the wrong thing. Like, if yeah. you are contained, they'll leave Set it traps. so that you crash. Yeah, they're going to make you wrong, though. They're, that's their aim. They're, the QB's aim of those read options is to make sure you're wrong every single time. If you crash inside, you're wrong. He's going to pull it. But then that's, why, str- that's why yeah. you keep contained, so then it's not... Because it's not your responsibility to take the inside. If you're the contain yeah. guy, you can't crash inside. Yeah. What's more impressive though is those twi- twitchy athletes and the really quick ones with the oh, that can do insane both. For, yeah, exactly. Who stay That's square? Ridiculous. Who stay square? They they watch the ball get hand off inside and then they're able to beat the tackle back inside and then make a diving play for the running back's legs. Yeah, I see that in Quitty though. Pay sometimes, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. No, Quitty yeah. Pay, hundred percent. He's so twitchy. Like I know it's a big draft cliche, and no one's in entirely sure what twitchy means well we haven't said it all show so we haven't you've got about five to use okay i've got my five twitchy so i've, I've used one of them there so um, I'll, I'll save the others for twitchy's Jason, good in, in a defense vendor let's talk about someone 
who also played for Miami, didn't play last year. He sat out, but is not twitchy by any sense of the word. It's Greg Rousseau. Rousseau? Rousseau. Daniel I thought Stan was being harsh all year. Like all year he's been like, I don't get the Greg Rousseau hype. He all he does is get sacks from the inside and he should really be an end. And you go and watch it and everything he said has been absolutely correct. Yeah. Like, he just wins because he's quicker than offensive t- um guards and centers, and he lines up and just Pretty leaps much. around the a tackle. Like he's not particularly great. He's athletic, I'll give him that. Not a twi- not twitchy athlete, but athletic but he's not a pass rusher he's not an edge defender just not what he is yeah no daniel jeremiah i listened to an interview the first time i heard about greg russo it was i think it was like the dying of the it was like the end of last off season or something then an interview it was just like garbage time podcast then interview greg russo and they hyped him up to be this big twitchy long athlete with incredible skill set i don't see it at all i went in there wanting to be absolutely blown away by this guy and I just see him getting stood up consistently by linemen. It's like, this is so boring. I want to turn the tape off. Well, was I mean, he a receiver in high school and they moved him to DMs? Yeah, he was a receiver. Yeah, I think he's just still... so raw as a defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, he is for sure. I mean, what everything you said about Christian Darasaw looking sort of lackadaisical, I would also kind of apply to Greg R- Rousseau. Rousseau, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's tall. He's big. He's strong for his frame, but... At the same time, he's not like outstandingly strong. Um, he's he's a good run defender, if anything. Uh, but I mean, another year in college, uh, you know, he had reasons for opting out, and it might have been a business decision. And you know, he's going to get drafted, so fair enough. Yeah. But I think another year in college could have suited him very well because. Yeah. He's just so raw. He's just a complete project at the moment. I don't really get the hype at all. He doesn't get off the ball very well. He's not explosive, not twitchy, as we like to say. Maybe he's got twitchier. Yeah. He doesn't change direction. He's stiff. I mm. I don't know. I also think he's going to have problems with his frame if he doesn't fill that out. I mean, he is quite heavy, but he doesn't look it. Yeah, it's he's very worrying that he doesn't win on the outside. Yeah. All of That's his sacks came on the... All of his sacks came from three down front when he was lined up over the centre or off it's slightly just, offset from the centre. It's, it's not going to work bizarre. in the NFL at all. He's going to get completely blown up by guards. Like exactly. Quinton Nilsson is going to destroy you if you try that shit. He got he got fifteen sacks, didn't he, in his season at Miami? Fifteen, yeah. like that. Pretty much it, all against interior linemen. This is another reason why stats do not sim- just just simply don't matter at the college level because you see this guy, or you know, maybe think, at any level. Ooh, there you go. Maybe, maybe people aren't ready for that conversation yet, though, so... That's a bit deep. A bit deep for a Tuesday night. Well, I mean, we have been banging this stats don't matter drum all season, pretty much. But, um, yeah, even Unless at, at college... Unless your man is like, no, Tua had the most deep yards in college football history. He's a great deep ball thrower. <laughs> Didn't it get beaten by Matt Jones the year off? Yeah, okay. a.k.a. he plays at Alabama. Yeah. I mean, you said it. He had a lot of sacks in 2018, but it was against one bad O-lines and it was just creating a mismatch yeah, against interior linemen. And that doesn't translate to the NFL. He's, yeah, gonna, he's not going to get any sacks if, if that's... Unless I mean, that, that, ends no up one's going to really play him like that D-line anyway. And they can move him around to get versatile matchups because he's not a starter. That's the yeah. only way I can see him having production early on. Yeah, I Who think... knows, maybe he ends up with a great coach and he can unlock some sort of um, potential that he's got. 
I just struggle to see it from what he puts on tape. Yeah, if he's going to play at 6'5", 260 pounds, he needs to look at and he needs to use that to his, abil- to his like ability. Like The way he did use it at Miami, to give credit to him, is he was able to control blocks very well versus the run. He was able to get off double teams and make tackles versus the run, which is really impressive. Yeah. And th- there will be some value on that. Maybe he's a first down kind of guy, but on passing downs, you don't want him in. He's not going to add any any value to you at this point. I was thinking the when way you say he's like that, sorry, it sort of reminds me of not before I say this, not at the same level, but it's the sort of people are going to be disappointed in him the way people are disappointed in Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, like how Joe always says he's not a great pass rusher, but he's good against the run. Not, I'm not saying Rousseau is Clowney, but I'm saying that based on what I'm yeah. saying there, he can be effective against the run, but don't expect him to be a 15 sack a year guy. No, yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with you there. Like the value he's going to bring to a team is not going to be something that you see on a stat sheet, and that could lead to perceived failure or maybe indeed just actual failure if he's not able to make a difference in games. It depends where he goes, right? Like, are we? I mean, there is some hype around him, but I don't think he goes in the first round by any stretch of the imagination. No, no chance. Or possibly even the. I mean, we might creep into like the third round. Maybe. I think, I think someone, someone will take a in a second will see yeah. his upside as an athlete and pick him in a second. Yeah, someone will take a punt on him because there are, like one thing that's gonna be clear in this year's draft is there are, there's gonna be a an absence of group things. There's gonna be draft boards are all over the place from all the like the media insiders, the your Daniel Jeremiah's and all that. That's the one big takeaway is that the draft boards are all over the place in terms of being different from each other. So we're going to see some weird picks this year, that's for sure. And maybe Russo in the second, someone takes a punt on him. I guess they haven't really been able to talk in um, a lot of, like, a lot of these scouts end up talking to each other. Yeah, in, um, a pro lot of these, days, like, combine, yeah, combine, senior bowls. And they just haven't because they've had to social distance. So maybe that plays a, a bigger element to it yeah. than we realise. Yeah, that's exactly what these media guys are on about. Like, they just don't get to talk in the same way. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to another edge defender from Penn State, it's Jason Oway. What do you guys think? Oway. 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 Pretty cool name. Jason spelt with a Y as well. Pretty quirky. Jason. Is that your takeaway? My biggest takeaway, actually, was he has the worst number for an edge rusher ever. I think he wore number 28. That's pretty grim. I can't believe anyone, yeah, he just thinks that's completely ugly and just disgusting for an edge rusher. Especially at college, you've got all like the low numbers you get the single Yeah, don't draft him, that well. number is terrible. He just, must have just... running back at high school or something. That's yeah. the only way I can excuse it. And that was or it. it's just the number he could pick at the time. That was mm. the only one available and he just kept with it. Yeah, or maybe Penn State is some weird tradition that we don't know about of giving edge rushers just disgusting numbers. Can't think of any other ones. Um, I think Shaka Tony this year had a bit of a weird one as well, but who knows? Fair enough. What do you actually Penn think State. about him other than his name? I absolutely love Jason Oway. He's he's incredible. He's more of a, he's a projection. Yeah, it didn't get any sacks last year, but as I mentioned all through his podcast, I don't care about stats, especially at college. This guy is a game wrecker. He's but... athletic, great hands, great first step, just. He's so aggressive as well, in the same way that Tevin Jenkins is able to completely bulldoze through guys and he plays angry. The same can be said of Jason Oway and the way he gets off the line straight into blocks. Bam, he's there. Like The production wasn't there, but that really doesn't worry me. 
I'm worried about him holding up against the run a little bit, especially early on in his career. I don't think he's got really got necessarily the sort of like the hold up a block strength and play off that. I think he's got the strength. I just think he needs to learn how to use it because he's a weight room monster and that's been clear throughout the season in, on passing downs. It's just, yeah, like you said, so against the functional run, run strength because it's, it's a different sort of strength because in pass plays, you're trying to blow past them in the same way. Maybe if you're just being asked to shoot a gap or something like that, then it's a different matter. But I can't, I can't see it as like sort of a conservative run defender. I'll, I like him on third downs early on. Yeah. I think realistically with away, he's probably going to be more of a rotational guy early on. Uh, maybe let's say like a Seattle or, or whoever drafts him in the second or third round. You like but... Seattle, they run a 4-3 front. He's a 3-4 backer guy. Yeah. Anyway, either way, just sort of throwing something out there. Calm down. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think he's very athletic, and like you said, his get-off, his explosive get-off, his speed off the ball. If you look against uh, Michigan State in 2019, he was all over the place there. Um, he strikes me as a bit of a, a big play guy at the moment. Like He'll occasionally so, show something on tape where his first step is insane. He, he's got amazing ability to get to bend around the corner, Um and he makes a big play, but I haven't. He hasn't been consistent enough with it. It'll be once every now and then. I don't think um, it is that. I think his first step's consistently great, and his hands consistently great. I don't. I don't see the bend to be honest. I don't with know you. about I think the, the hands as much. You, you kind of mentioned so this before. What's so the quick. reason hands for quick. him not getting sacks then this year? The reason is why well, there are two games like the service that we use, Caddy Cutups. There were two games on there. I think it was Maryland and Ohio State, and the Ohio State one. They've got big guys, and he was, and it's quick. It's so a quick if, passing if he, game. If he's as well. a weight room guy. Surely he'd have the strength. To... I don't care. The, the, look, college is a lot of trick RPO games, RPO throws, and that's the Ohio State offense is just the complete epitome of that. But he played seven games in twenty twenty. He didn't have a sack. I and I know you, you say you don't me. care about it. Stats, really doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it strrikes me more as if like yeah, overinflation of stats in college don't worry about the stats but if you get zero sacks in seven games then it is a little bit worrying for me i appreciate it might it might give you worries and i can understand why it would but for me i really what so what stands out what sorry what i see on the tape completely just overrides that because college is different from the nfl the ball is gone so quickly because you've got essentially weaker o-lines and quarterbacks you don't want to give full field reads they're going to be rpos bubble screens slip screens Heart and just a load of half field simple concept reads like high lows stuff like that and that's what Justin Fields made a killing off this year mm. other guys I, get sacks though other guys do get sacks but the Big Ten especially is yeah. not known that you've got a lot of option offences and the Big Ten like pass rushes you never see guys getting loads of sacks for that very reason and if they the do last great Big Ten pass rusher yeah, you got Chase Young. He's a different breed. Oh, I'm not trying I to forget about defensive player of the year, Chase Young. Yeah, that's on me. I'm off, lads. <laughs> I, I thought you were being sarcastic there. You could no, have played completely that. forgot. You could have played that off as sarcasm so easily. <laughs> he's too honest, mate. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good things about him, and he's an athletic animal. He's very high motor as well. But yeah. I think he's he's got a high ceiling potentially, but it's going to take a few years to really 
get him to a consistent level with some of the he's showing signs of being a very great edge defender and yeah it's worth a punt in let's say the late second or third round if you have a need for that position and you can have the ability to be able to bring him in as more of a rotational guy from the start because he does need a lot of work to refine his pass rush and he's he's not perfect at all i think he's got a lot of work to do at all I mean, there isn't, like, I've said this before, but on the defensive line aspect, there isn't much nuance to his game. He, he has that there first is. step. To be fair, lads, this is why there's a draft rather than just someone orders all the players and they send them out team by team. People disagree true. on stuff. We'll that find out true. when he plays this yeah. season. I, just, say, I think he's gone by first round, 100%. No. I think Sandwich. Is. Sandwich. Sandwich. We're going to sandwich this? Are we going to write yeah, it down? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gone by first round. Okay, I'll, I'll happily put that. Because... Think about it this way: you've got two guys ahead of him, well, in a, like consensus in terms of Pay and um, Phillips. I see Nutrari ahead of him. I don't. Not. I don't even think Phillips is. He's going to be gone near the end of the first round, in my opinion. Hmm. I think the ten to the ten to twenty range, we could see potentially three edge rushes go. Who are those you three? Whack. Oa Pay. Um, are you Phillips. sure you're not just in love with Oa? And I'm saying that he's going to be a first-round pick because you like what you saw on tape. But isn't that exactly what being in love with the prospect is all about? Yeah, like but other teams tape? in the league, I, I mean, just well, I'm banking the lack on the of fact production that scouts alone. Are going to see that. I'm banking on the fact that scouts are going to see his like to see past the production because, like, as it's clear, production doesn't matter because he obviously you've got the COVID year as well as but a potential it, like it does to yeah, an extent. If you're not producing, matter. I think stats don't matter in a vacuum. I think you've got to use stats and what you're seeing together. Uh, yeah, I see. Right, I'm using stats. I'm using what I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I still think like OA is edge three. So above um, Ujolari then? Oh, a hundred every day of the week. I don't like Ujolari. Yeah, I don't no? like him. No, you know Ujolari's a one-trick pony anyway. Like he, he just has that. Yeah, he just club, club rip. No, it's, cl- rip. it's club yeah. rip, and then it's nothing. Um, but sack. I mean, another thing as well is the play recognition. Like, he, it just isn't there. Like, misdirections and options pretty much get him yeah. every single time. But that's why you keep him on as a third down guy early on. If someone's running a screen... That is the same. Yeah, way. good luck. Because he's just going to run straight to the QB and try yeah. and sack him when he sees it's open. Ooh, I think, free, I think, free hit. I think that's like, the same with quite a lot of the Penn State defence, though, in general. They are quite undisciplined a lot. Like, we're going to talk about Micah Parsons next week, and the same thing can be said of him as well. And you said he was strong... Like he's a weight room guy, but he does get tossed around quite a lot, from what I could see. I don't know. I'm. I'm I mean, just mm. just watching it. I mean, we kind of talked about this before. It, his build is like two fifty seven, but he doesn't play like it at all. Like he, I see him get just thrown to the ground a lot of the time. I don't know. Um, I don't really see that. I. It was really weird because I see all this pressure he's able to get, and just the complete dominance he has on the field in terms of his just ex- raw explosiveness and just. He gets yeah, off in some cases. Ball. Yeah, yeah the lads, ball gets lads. out too quickly for him to make a difference. You've both watched the films. You've come to different conclusions. You're not going to be able to convince each other either way. Yeah, Let's that's move true. On. Let us move on. We're going to agree to fair disagree. enough. Fair enough. And we have Let's a move on, on to, um, I guess that's it for edge defenders and edge defensive linemen. We'll cover interior linemen when we get down to the linebackers, I believe, next week. Um, are there any potential sleepers that you guys have burning? I in know Sam's got one, so I'll sacrifice my time to him. Oh, thank you very much, Sam. 
I'm going to go for Mr. Ronald Perkins from Oklahoma. Ronald Ronnie. Perkins, you say? Perkins. I love him. I think What's so great, great about him? What is so great about Ronnie Perkins? Well, he's everything that OA is as a quick, high-motor guy. And he's got length to go with it too that he uses really, really effectively. And yet again, I'm going to go back to that play against Tevin Jenkins, which is very just summative of his character and his ability as a football player. He's, a, he's able to recognise the fact he's going up against a guy like Tevin Jenkins. He's got this like he flashes hands, pulls them back to like almost decoy linemen to see where they're going. And he's a guy with shorter arms. He's able to diagnose that quite effectively. Long arm him, literally. His his body at one point is 45 degrees to the ground. In the, so he's, diag- he's diagonal. I'm doing this on Zoom, but you can't see yeah, it right now. Say, listeners can't see what your this arm is, an, is. This is an audio podcast, but my arm is at a 45 degree angle right now. That's how Ronnie Perkins was. He's able to use his leverage as a pretty big guy. I think he's about 6'3". So he's a tall guy, very lanky as well, very long with long arms. And he's able to use that to generate leverage and completely just knock big Tevin Jenkins off his feet completely. I I think the, the result of the play was like a QB hurry or someone else got a sack, but at the end of the day, that's the outcome that you want. And just in general, he's the leader of that Oklahoma defense and his high motor and finesse with his hands is just... It's really recognisable. Okay, I've got a question. As your guy, what's your thought about him against the run? Against the run? I do have a few concerns. I think his motor and length does lend itself quite nicely in the fact that he's able to keep his distance from linemen and not get suckered into blocks the same way other guys do who are over-eager. But I do think that that is a legitimate concern, as it is with quite a few of these raw edge guys, like Aziz Ojolari, who I don't think even he's even worth mentioning. But yeah. There you go. Where do you realistically see him going? Um, ideally, tail end of the first, to be honest with you. But that's not a sleeper, then, is it? Or, I don't. I, I really like not him. going to go. I know, I know, but like, where do you think he'll go? Like, where have you seen him being mocked? Like, uh, mock drafts are redundant this year. No, I know, but the point is that shows where other people think. Like, obviously, oh, he's been mocked like in the first. Pick him at the end of the first. He's been mocked in the first. Okay. He has mocked first, uh, second round. I think it's a bit, um, it's a bit. I don't think it's good to cast aspersions and have a consensus list this year because of the fact that this this, this whole group think idea is completely like just non-existent this year. And we've already seen the change to draft boards since the off season started. Like there was a, there was a time when Sam Cosme from Texas was listed as the second best offensive line in the draft. He's completely fallen out of the conversation. Christian Darasaur went through his brief hype stage. That conversation is some sort of derail, some like he's derailed I like somewhat. Him. I know you like him, but it's, it's derailed in the in the sense that he was mocked as better than Rashawn Slater. That's already changed. Tevin Jenkins is now. Drafts, it depends who you're listening to, doesn't it? Exactly, if you're listening yeah. to a guy, if you're listening to a guy that has spoken to a lot of front offices, that's probably going to be a bit more accurate than someone yeah. that's doing it on tape. Not try... necessarily a worse yeah. draft, but a more accurate mock draft. Like honestly, I'm not trying to push the NFL.com on you, but I'd listen to Daniel Jeremiah more than anyone this year because he's an insider guy. Like I love DJ. Yeah, so do I. No disrespect to these other guys. You got to do what you got to do and make these mock drafts. But in terms of credibility. I think Daniel Jeremiah is going to offer you the best mock draft experience, if you will. Speaking of which, Dan, when's your inside mock draft coming out? Well, I mean, I had my um, 
I released one earlier in the year before the draft order is complete. I think it was the first 18 picks. So um, I, I will revise that shortly. I think I think I'll do one before the draft because I don't want to be seen to um, be just creating mock drafts for clicks. We will so that... of course be doing the draft game as well as we oh, did yes. last year. Drop back draft bingo. Your very favourite draft bingo. I think Alex Alex Voice Joyce, one of our writers, he said he's going to do a mock draft. I think he originally considered doing a full seven round one. So Jesus that, that that's too much. To, we to, can't we can't make. I him... can I can do that as well. I'll put all the prospects after round two or three. Just put all the prospects in a bag and pick them out. Just I mean, alphabetic. To know that, that to know that many players is just outstanding. And if you can do a seven round mock, I think. You should just purely just flex on people. I mean, you're going to be so wrong. <laughs> it's, it's completely pointless. The thing is, it doesn't matter because no one cares if you're wrong in a first round mock draft. They definitely don't care if you're wrong with the sixth round compensatory picks. I mean, I want to know who Cardinals are going to take in the sixth round, so I'll be reading it. Where would you be able to read that? On the dropback.com, of course. On the dropback.com or .co.uk, I believe. Which that now has a jazzy new podcast player right at the bottom of the page. Oh, who did that, Joe? Some absolute legend. Um, speaking of which, I think that's about all for today in terms of the actual podcast. But do check out our articles and written content and also the podcast itself on the dropback.com or .co.uk. Well, I mean, they're already listening to the podcast, Joe. I'm just saying there's now a new avenue where you can listen to it as and when you please. Either way, yeah, check out our written content on thedropback.com or .co.uk. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Dropback. Follow us on Facebook at The Dropback UK. I've been your host, Joe. I've been Sam. And I've been Stan. Until next time, peace. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson.